0: Amen. come on, if you love Jesus in this place, can we give him a big ovation of worship? Come on, I'm not talking about a little golf clap. Come on, that's a little side-by-side. Just No, come on, the King of kings and Lord of lords is worthy. Come on, give him a big shout of praise in this place. Don't just do it. Do it with some passion. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so honored that you're here. Today we're continuing our, our series we started last week called On Fire. Somebody shout On Fire. If you got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and grab them? We're going to be opening to Daniel chapter 3. If you don't know where Daniel is, I'll encourage you to rock the talk is what I call it, the table of contents. Come on, somebody, right? You can go to the table of contents on your, in your Bible or if you've got your phone, if you're going to read that way. We've got this big giant Bible up behind me in a second. But listen, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, again, I don't know, like what Monica was praying just then. I don't know what you walked in this place with, but I believe that the Lord is here, that the Lord is going to speak to you, that the Lord is going to minister to you today. And I just, I hope you came expecting to hear from God. Anybody show up coming today expecting to hear from God in the place? Well, come on, we're going to open God's Word. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to be in verse number 19. It's a story maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard. Uh, It's about these three Hebrew boys. We'll We'll see and hear their names in just a second. But this is what the Bible says. Verse number 19, if you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. Awesome. This verse 19 says this, Nebuchadnezzar, who happened to be the king, was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Anybody heard this story before? All right, here we go. That his face became distorted with rage, and he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire, throw them into the burning furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, this big dummy, watch what happened. The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Come on, somebody say, that's hot. That's hot, yeah. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Watch what it says in verse 24. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Verse 25 says, look, somebody say, look. Nebuchadnezzar shouted. What what does he say? He says this, I see four men, and they no longer are bound. They're actually unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god or the son of man is what the King James Version says. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach! Meshach Abednego come on I read the Bible like ADHD come on somebody right I got it I'm reading it like I could just imagine anybody remember Veggie Tales? come on remember Rack Shack and Benny y'all remember that that's what I'm, I'm reading it like that right now okay cool uh, 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 so what happened is he's hollering, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego servants of the Most High God come, come out come here and so Shadrach Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire and then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them, and this right here will preach, I don't even know if I have to say anything, and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed, their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but you may have walked in this place today, and the fire is all around you, but I'm just believing what we just read right there, that guess what, you may be in the fire but not a hair on your head is going to be singed your clothing's not going to be scorched and you're not even going to smell like smoke you know why because we serve the one that's in the fire with us the fourth one that's in the fire come on if we believe that can we give him a big shout of praise in this place jesus we love you lord we honor you we thank you for your word we're believing you're going to speak to us today god that you're going to minister to us how only you can God, we're open to hear from you. We want to know what your word says. We want to know what your heart says. God, we're listening. We're leaning in. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said a good amen, amen. Why don't you high-five your neighbors. Say, man, you are hot today. Go ahead let them know. You're hot today. And you can have a seat. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Man, it's good to be in church, and uh, I'll just tell you, there's a lot of y'all in this room right now, and I'm so thankful for you. I'm going to encourage you every single week, would you keep inviting your friends? We'll keep making room if you decide to keep bringing your friends, and I'm just going to tell you... It's going to be awesome what God is going to do in the next few weeks, what he has been doing, and again, what we're seeing happen right now in the middle of, I mean, just this fall semester as we're heading into just different seasons of the year that we're going to see God do some incredible things. And again, we're in a series called On Fire. One more time, shout, On Fire. On fire. Yeah, I got, a, I got a joke for you today. Again, I love a little Boudreaux joke every now and then. Come on, somebody. has been a while since I got you a Boudreaux joke. Y'all ready? About six of you, I said, y'all ready for a Boudreaux joke? Something to make it a little lighter today? Okay, here we go. So so I got this Boudreaux joke, and Boudreaux actually decided to go down to Florida, right? So Boudreaux goes to Florida, and he's down at the pool, and Boudreaux's a deep south Cajun man. If you don't know who Boudreaux is, he's from the deep south of Louisiana. He doesn't ever get out of the Louisiana and state very often, but he's in Florida, and sits down by uh, the pool, and a fellow sits right next to him, and Boudreaux says, hey, how's you doing? Like, my name's Boudreaux, and I'm here on vacation. My, my house caught itself on fire and I got a little extra money from the insurance company. Come on, somebody, right? Well, the guy looks at him and says, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm actually here from California, and my house flooded, and I used the extra insurance money for this very vacation right here. Boudreaux was perplexed. He looked around. He's stroking his face a little bit, and he says, Miles, that's good, but let me ask you one thing. How in the world did you start the flood? Come on, somebody. You'll, that's funny, I don't care who you are, you might get it today, you might get it tomorrow. Boudreaux started the fire, come on, okay, okay, just... So I'll, give it, I'll give it to you right there. All right. So 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 again, I I I I want to start out that way because again, I think again, whether you thought that was funny or not, I'm good. I'm am I'm, I'm secure enough to think if it wasn't funny, okay, it's okay. But like, I want you to know that all of us can actually have like this uh, this agreement on something today. Is that fire holds a lot of power? Can we agree on that? Right, and again, I know I'm gonna be very sensitive to that, what's going on in our world and in our, uh, just uh, the United States of America, obviously, in the state of Hawaii and Maui, we are seeing the devastating power. That fire actually holds. And again, I want to be very sensitive to that. But I also want to be on the flip side of that, to see and show you and have you realize how powerful being on fire can be, living on fire can actually be. And again, what this series is all about, what Man on Fire on Friday night with our guys and men's night was all about, was this idea that I want you and I to understand what your life would look like if you were living on fire that your life would look different, that your life would affect people around you. And I love the quote, and this is actually where the whole heart of the series came from, that I heard John Wesley, the the Wesleyan faith, the Methodist faith would say something like this. He said this, set yourself, light yourself on fire. Somebody say on fire. Fire. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. And my heart is that, guess what, we would be a church on fire that we would be a people on fire, that we would be a congregation of people that are saying, you know what, I know a lot of stuff is going on around us. I know my schedule might be crazy. I know school around me might be crazy. I know my family, come on somebody, might be crazy. But guess what, I am on fire for Jesus. I'm living a life that is passionate about making a difference for Jesus. And we kind of subtitled this idea last week a little bit of, I want people that know me But do not know Jesus, want to know Jesus because they know me. I'm going to say it again so you get that, right? I want people that don't know Jesus, but they know me, want to know Jesus because they know me. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for this series. That's what I want for you as you start college, as you're stepping into that new job, as you're in the job that you've been in for 40 years, whatever it might be, I want you to do it and I want you to do it like you're on fire. Once want you do it with some passion. So today, we're going to talk about these guys right here named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the title of today's message, if you're writing anything down, I forgot to give that to you, is this title, On Fire But Not Burned Up. Come on, somebody, right? You might be on fire, but you're not burned up. And I, I just believe the Lord's going to speak to you today. If you and I would just open our ears, open our hearts to listen to him about some three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or like I, my VeggieTale days would tell me, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Come on, somebody, right? How many of y'all remember VeggieTales? Y'all remember that back in the day? Come on, that's that's all the kids that grew up in Sunday school right there. Now, if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, you missed a little bit, but it's okay. Uh, but like there was like the, and, and if you don't know anything about VeggieTales, go look it up, all right? just right? I'm going to tell you. Go look it up. Like these little vegetables that like do stories about the Bible. And uh, obviously as a kid I remember this story and kind of being freaked out by it, right? Just this is wild. What is going on? And yet VeggieTales made it real simple talking about Rack, Shaq, and Benny. And I want to tell you a little bit of context about these guys because these guys are actually teenage dudes in the middle of captivity right now. They're actually underneath the oppression of a Babylonian king named King Nebuchadnezzar. Come on, somebody say Nebuchadnezzar. That's a fun name, but we're gonna shorten it like we did Rakshak and Benny. We're gonna call him King Neb. Come on, somebody, all right? We're gonna call him King Neb, all right? So King Nebuchadnezzar is the king, and he has the Israelite, the Hebrew people enslaved, and what he's doing is he, he decides that he has this grand idea that we didn't read about just yet, but we're going to go back to the very beginning of chapter 3 in Daniel, and we're going to look at what did King Neb had to do and what he wanted to do in order for everybody to put their eyes on him. And we're going to see that in just a second. I want to kind of give you some modern day context. Babylon is actually set in modern day Iraq. So if you think about that situation, what's going on, this is what is happening, and we're reading about it right here, and if we go back to the very beginning of Daniel chapter 3, what we begin to see is that this, that there is a plan that King Nebuchadnezzar has, and he's trying to do it, and, and, and I just believe that, hey, it may be a different name, it may be a different century, but there's the same spirit that's coming after your ideas, your attention, your focus, your heart as well, and I think there's something that we can learn from this. Everybody with that all right cool so we're going to go back to daniel chapter 3 verse 1 go back to the very beginning and we're going to see king nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of dura in the province of babylon that's verse 1 and go to verse 4 it says people this is kind of a decree that went out to everybody in the land whether you were slave or not the people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Watch what he says. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, watch what he says. Bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Watch what he goes on to say in verse 6. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing Furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever the race or nation or language, watch what it says they did. They bowed down to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Neb had set up. And this is what I want us to take from this because I think, again, it may have been centuries ago that this took place. But I believe the Lord can speak to you today. And you and I need to understand that just like back then, even today, that culture has a captivating rhythm. That you need to realize that culture has a captivating rhythm. I want you to write that down. That culture has a captivating rhythm. So think about it really quick. It, there's no coincidence that the Daniel chapter 3 starts off by talking about this huge statue, right? It's 90 foot tall and 9 feet wide. Come on, how many of y'all know that's a big statue? Come on, that means yes in Kentucky. Come on, somebody, everybody good? Everybody good? Okay. Like if you go back and watch the VeggieTales version, come on, that's a 90 foot, 9 foot wide chocolate bunny. Come on, somebody, right? The bunny, the bunny, ooh, I love the Okay, Okay, again, it's getting weird, like if you didn't go to Sunday school, right? But we're saying that because that's that literally, at, uh, again, what, what is he trying to do? He's trying to draw attention to it. And again, it's 90 foot tall. It's 9 foot wide. This is a large statue of this man. And he put it in the plain of Dura, right, which is the most wide open, the highest part of town. So you need to understand this is impossible for anybody to walk by and not see. It's impossible for them to miss. See, there's a reason that he didn't put it back in some corner somewhere where nobody could notice it. No, no, no. He put it where it would captivate everybody's attention, right? It would grab their attention. It would grab their focus. And then not only that, he put some music behind it. Come on. How many of us love some music in the room? Come on, wave at me right now. Where are my music people at? Yeah, 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 I got it. Okay, where are my Spotify people at? Everybody in the room? Where are my Apple music people at in the room? Okay, we're going to pray for you later. And then, okay, like I... I Okay, we like music, right? So, so what, what's more captivating than music, right? Man, music is captivating. Uh, you could be anywhere, come on, somebody, and that song comes on and what happens? Mm, mm. Maybe not like that, okay, all right? But, but you know what I'm saying? You just start bobbing a little bit because what does it do? It captivates you. I, I, I'll show you that really quick. Are you ready? Are you ready? I need your participation. Are you ready? Blame it all on my roots. Come on, keep going. This is fun. Last one, Last one to show. Okay, let's stop there, okay? Let's just stop right there on this song, okay? All right, let's stop right there, all right? But did you see what happened? Did you see what happened, how captivating music can be? I'll throw one out to the older school version, uh, the, the, the older, uh, the, the, the more seasoned people in our church, okay? Let me just let me clarify something real quick right now, all right? The more seasoned people. Are right, you ready? Sweet Caroline. Bah, bah, bah. Good times. This is working beautifully right now. I like it. All right, then we got another one. I'll show you how captivating music can be. Ready? Freeze. Everybody clap your hands. Are right, we ain't going low right now, okay? Just keep it up. Keep it up in church, all right? Good, good, good. So, so I want us to see that. Do you see how captivating music can be? Do you see how a song can pull you in? Can you see how, how the, the rhythm, man, just makes it, oh, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to clap. I want to do whatever it's asking me to do. Come on, that's how white people learn how to dance is the cha-cha slide. All right? You don't know what else to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like, freeze. Okay, I got to clap. Cool. Okay, cool. It's telling you what to do. Thank the Lord, right, because I can't dance. All right? So so. What I want you to see, though, is that music is captivating, and what Nebuchadnezzar knew was that music was captivating, that music would draw you in, that music would have your attention. See, I want you to see what King Nebuchadnezzar was doing, was that he was doing whatever he could to captivate your your eyes. To, to draw in your senses. He tried to make it appealing in every way possible. And let me tell you something today. Culture and the enemy wants to do the very same thing to you in your life right now. He wants to captivate your attention. He wants to get you ultimately to worship anything other than God. That's what he wants. He wants you to get your eyes on it. He wants you to get your ears on it. He wants to get your attention on it. What's he want to captivate? He wants to captivate your focus. I want you to write that down. It's coming after your focus. How many of us know that guess what? Whatever has our focus has our attention, right? Whatever I'm focused on, man, it's getting my energy, my effort. And you got to realize that culture is fighting for your attention because we live in a distracted world, right? I think a lot of us can agree we all live in a distracted world. Research shows us that literally we are interrupted every three minutes, every three minutes, Imagine being awake for 16 hours a day or longer, and every three minutes you are distracted by something. How many of us, anybody, anybody got an iPhone in the room, anybody? Okay, All the to say people in the room, come on somebody, where's the Android people that in the room, I'm just kidding, come on. Alright, yes, that happens all the time, dad, I don't know why that does that, it's my dad by the way. Uh, <laughs> but like, some about them Android people, man, y'all got something that we ain't got, and I don't know what it is, but I, every time y'all get loud when I say Android. Okay, I don't know if it's on the Android or not. But does anybody have the Screen Time app on your phone? Anybody seen that before? Right? And I'm not going to be this like old guy that's going after your phone and social media. I have a phone. I'm on it a lot. But I want you to understand just how distracted we can become and how easily we can be distracted. Screen Time app will tell you if you go and look at it how long you've been on something How long you've been spending on your phone? How many times you pick up and set down your phone It'll let you know how many times that you've looked at it, opened it, unlocked it? Did you know the average person spends two hours a day on social media alone? If you extrapolate that over your lifetime, do you know that will come out to being five years and four months on social media in your life? Five years and four months. And again, I am not harping on social media today, don't hear me say that. But what you and I will do is live a lifetime of our lives living for the likes, the shares, the followers. And what the enemy knows is that if he can get your mind focused on where you think your approval comes from, then he can get your attention off where your actual approval really comes from. And your approval, listen to me, does not come from social media. Your approval does not come from the amount of likes on Facebook, doesn't determine how much you are loved. What somebody says about you on Instagram is not what God says about you. God says you are loved, accepted, wanted, and enough that he would send his only son to die for you and me. Come on, that's the God that we serve. That's the God that has accepted us. That's the God that loves us. Come on, can we give him a big shout of praise in this place? But I want you to see the enemy's coming after your focus. He's going to do whatever he can to distract you. He's going to do whatever he can to captivate not only your focus, but your time. I you write that down. He's coming after your time. He wants to captivate. Everyone had to stop what they were doing and bow down and worship the statue. I want you to see that. They had to stop what they were doing, bow down to the statue, And this is what I know one of the the ways that the enemy will get you away from serving God is not for you to stop doing the things, but it'll be distracting you by getting you busy doing a lot of things that really don't matter. That's really what he wants to do. (coughs) Excuse me. And a great way to tell where your devotion is would be okay, let me look at where I spend the most of my time, let me look at my calendar. Because we live in a culture today, and it's seeped into the lives of believers and sometimes even in the churches where families are spending hours teaching our kids how to be good at sports, but we won't get any time to teach them how to value the things of God. And listen to me. I am a sports guy, right? I love sports. I love racer basketball. I love UK basketball. I love the Dallas Cowboys. I don't care what you say, all right? I'm a sports guy. All right, but this is my thing. This is my heart. Let's make prayer time a priority in our family. Let, let, let's make committing to being at church a priority in our family. Let's make committing to reading God's word a priority in our families. Let's just make sure our kids know that we love Jesus and we value the things of God more so than the sports that they play or the teams that we cheer for. I'm just telling you, man, what gets your focus, what gets your time, what gets your attention, what gets your devotion will be the thing that you and I end up worshiping. And I'm just telling you, the enemy is coming after your time. He's coming after your attention, and he has a motive. And I want you to see that that culture has a motive. It's a captivating rhythm, man. It just sounds good. It it feels good, man. It's the way that everybody else is doing it. And there's a motive behind it. And ultimately, it's to bow down to anything other than God. There's a motive. There's a motive that's there, to worship something other than God. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. We'll jump in and continue to read. I'm going to read about 10 verses right here. But watch what it says. But some of the astrologers... They hear about some boys real quick, went to the king and informed uh, on the Jews. They said the King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. They're sucking up right here, right? Long live the king. You issued this decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When they heard the sound of the hort, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, that decree also states that whoever refuses to do that, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some people. There are some Jews, Rakshak and Benny, these boys right here whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then watch what happens Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they brought them in, Nebuchadnezzar said to him, Is it true that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you guys are refusing to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse... You will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, watch what he says. He's even taunting the God that they serve. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? I want you to see something. That culture has a motive. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing strong. Watch what they say. They replied, oh, oh Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Guess what? If you throw us into the fire, the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't. Come on, I'm going to speak to somebody right now where the fire is all around you and you're praying for a miracle. And listen to me, let's have the faith that some teenage boys had right here. I said, you know what, we believe you can do it, God. We're going to pray like you can do it, God. But even if you don't, we want to make it real clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. See, what I want us to see is what is so important for us to understand here in these verses is not just that they didn't bow down because they didn't want to bow. Just because, uh, the, uh, not, let me start over. I drank a monster before the service, so you'll just give me a second, all right? Listen to me. It's not that they, the the whole idea of that they didn't bow down, the whole idea is why they didn't bow down. Like, that's what we got to look at. They didn't bow down just because, man, they didn't feel like it. They didn't bow down because, boy, ooh, I got a sciatica, I slept wrong last night, can't get down. Ooh, man, can't do that, or, oh, man, it's too much... Sciatica, that was an old man term right there. Come on, somebody. Everybody under the age of 25 has no idea what I'm talking about. Everybody 25 and up, you know what I'm saying. Sciatica hurts. Okay. They didn't say that. They didn't say, hey, I, I can't, do it was too inconvenient. No, 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 no. Listen, you know what they were living by? They were living by this thing called conviction. And culture may have a motive, but you can live with a conviction in your life. You can live your life where you say, I have a firm belief in something. And Rakshak and Benny believed in the God of Israel, the one true God. So when the king commanded that everybody bow down to another idol, the king was actually testing them to see if they really believed what they said they believed. Do you really believe in that God that you say you believe in? Do Do you really believe that he can do that? And I just want to challenge all of us in the room. I want us to understand that they acted based on their conviction and not how they just felt that day. And I'm sure they were tempted. Honestly, I'm sure they were tempted to say, well, let's not create an issue. Let's just bow down. I, I, I don't feel like dealing with this issue that this might create. And listen to me, if we aren't careful we can begin to live our Christian lives based on how we feel and not the convictions that we have from God's word. I want to challenge us today. I, I, you know, a lot of times we may say, I don't feel like serving. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like honoring my spouse. I don't feel like praising God today. I don't feel like living pure. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like serving, giving of my time, my energy, my effort. My, I don't feel like tithing. And, and again, if we lived our lives based on how we feel, listen to me, we're going to be in trouble. But I'm trying to challenge us today, if you want to live a life that makes a difference, that is on fire, we're not called to live based off how we feel, we're called to live based off of what the Word of God says. And I might not feel like serving others, but the Bible tells me that Christ came to serve not to be served, and guess what? I'm called to imitate Jesus. I might not feel like honoring my spouse. I might not feel like honoring Allie, but at the same time, God's word says I'm supposed to love her like Jesus loved the church, and I'm to give my life up for her. I might not feel like tithing, but I know that God's word says that where my treasure is, there my heart is also, and I don't want money to have my heart. I want God to. I might not feel like praising God in this season, but God's word says that I'm to praise the Lord at all times. I might not feel like an overcomer, but listen to me. God's word says I am more than a conqueror because of what Jesus Christ has done. The word of God has final authority in my life. I don't want to make the word of God fit around my life. I want to fit my life around the word of God. Listen to me, some of us need to get some conviction about some areas of our lives. Some of us live however we feel, however we want, and allow everything around us to dictate the way that we live our lives. You've been watching, listening, and living however you feel like. But I'm just trying to challenge us today, would you live with some conviction in your life? Would you live with, okay, God, your word says it. It does not feel good to me. This is not fun to obey, but because you said so, I'm gonna do it anyway. Because your word says it, I'm gonna trust it. You got a better plan than I could ever have for my own life. And again, Rack Shack and Benny, let their lives be driven by conviction for what God says instead of what culture tried to tell them. And this is what I know is that culture will always question your convictions. Right? Just get ready that when you stand for something, guess what will happen? You'll get questioned about it. You'll receive questions about why, 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 hey, listen, why, why are you going to church all the time? Why, why are you serving? Why, why are you giving money to a church? Why are you worshiping God even though you just lost your job? Why, why aren't you doing the things that you used to do? Like, why aren't you doing the things that you did last semester? Why aren't you going to all the parties like you used to? You you really believe that God is a healer? And watch this. If you're not careful, you will let the questioning of the world quench the fire of conviction that's on the inside of you. Now, I just want to tell you, light yourself on fire for God. Whatever he tells you to do, whatever he tells me to do, let's do it, not just do it, let's do it with some passion, because the last thing I want us to understand is that there is purpose in the furnace. that there's purpose in the middle of what you may be walking through right now, these boys say, "You know what? I ain't bowing down. I'm not doing it, King Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to do it." Well, guess what? King Nebuchadnezzar flies off his rails, right? He's mad, he's upset. He's furious, and he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stoke this fire up seven times hotter. Seven times. Now, now, real quick again, where are my gas log people at in the room? Come on, anybody got one of them, them little, little, little buttons you can push to turn it up a little on and off? Anybody there? How many of us know that they didn't have that back then? Come on, somebody, right? Like, you got to understand, there was some work involved that was taking place of what they were going to do, that he was stoking the fire like he was saying, okay, I want y'all to do whatever. We got to gather all this stuff. I'm going to question their conviction. I'm going to see if they really believe what they really believe. But what I want you to see is that there's purpose in the furnace. Watch what happens. Seven times hotter. Not just a thermostat or a dial. No, it, they had to stoke it, had to add to it, and it was hot. Somebody say hot. hot. It was hot. And then they took the strongest guys that they could find, and what did they do? They bound them up. Right, they tied them up. They, they put chains around them. And then what happens is they open the door of the furnace, they throw these guys in, and it's so hot that the dudes even died to throw them in. Come on, say, it's hot. It's hot. These three dudes, living with conviction, not backing down, not bowing to culture, are thrown into the middle of the fire. But watch what the Bible says in verse 24. But suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement. Watch this. King Nebuchadnezzar did not believe in the God of Israel. And yet in the middle of the fire, guess what happened? It got a pagan king's attention when some people were living on fire. So I'm just going to challenge us in this room today that listen, when the supernatural miracle of God takes place that's right in front of you, even though you may be walking through something that is difficult, listen, if you and I will live a life with conviction, other people, even people that don't know Jesus, are going to start to take notice. I want you to see that. Watch what he said. He jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see how many men? Four men. Come on, say it with some passion if you're in this room. How many men? Four men. Unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. This is a Christophany. It's a big churchy word, a theological word. But it says this is where Jesus would show up in the Older Testament in body form. And he's walking around in the midst of the fire with these boys that had conviction that stood up for Jesus. But listen to me. It was only in the fire that Jesus showed up and freedom took place. So, what I'm challenging you today is that you would realize that there is purpose in the furnace that you're walking through. And maybe you walked in this place and you feel like the fire is hot as it could ever be all around me, my relationships, my family, my kids, my job, my school. But I came to question that today and say, what if the fire is the very thing that God wants to use to bring you closer to Jesus and free you from the things that have been holding you captive for far too long? Then Nebuchadnezzar, watch what he says, came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair from their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. And I came to remind somebody today, listen to me, the fire within me, it's gotta burn hotter than the fire that's around me because the true test of where you are is found. Will you stand with God even when things don't go the way that you expected? Whether he comes through now or not, guess what, I'm still serving him. Whether the doctor's note comes back positive or negative, I'm still serving him. Whether I get the job or not, I'm still serving him. Even if all my friends desert me, I'm still serving him. Whether culture agrees with it or not, I'm serving him. Whether the team plays me or not, i'm serving god that the fire in me is hotter than the fire that is around me and listen to me watch as you light yourself on fire what happens with the culture around you that they may be far from god but watch what king nebuchadnezzar said then Nebuchadnezzar said, "Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands; were willing to die rather than serve or worship any other god except for the one own true God. Therefore, watch what happens. I make this decree that if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word of against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They'll be torn from limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Why? Because there is no other God who can rescue like this God. And the same power that raised Shadrach, that, that got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the grave is the same power that got Jesus out of the grave. And today, the same power that got Jesus out of the grave and that saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the middle of the fire It's the same one that you can have on the inside of you. So come on, if you believe that, won't you stand on your feet? Can we give him a big shout of praise in this place? And he's the God that saves. He's the God that delivers. He's the God that makes the way when there seems to be.